Good evening. Unusual uh, episode tonight for uh, a Friday night. Usually we're running on Wednesdays, but schedule didn't work out too well this week. So we'll give this a shot here on a Friday night, trying to uh, still get a handle on on this new technology with uh, StreamYard and getting multiple streams going at once. So thanks for everybody for joining in. And uh, it's probably just going to be me tonight. Landry is enjoying himself in Las Vegas. Lucky him. Uh, he's visiting out there, obviously, with the Houston Texans playing the Raiders this weekend. So props to him, and hopefully he'll have a good time and come home with a few extra bucks. He may jump in. I'm not entirely sure if he's going to make it in or not. But if he doesn't, it's no big deal. We'll just run without him. But other than that, you know, this week, it's it's been a very jam-packed week, especially for Houston fans. Um, it's it's exciting to see what's going on with the Astros continuing now 2-0 and in their, in their playoff series against the Yankees. And that's, you know, who I think most fans wanted. I don't, you know, there's probably a few fans that either didn't care or they would have liked to play the Guardians. But at the end of the day, I think everybody wanted to to go against the Yankees and prove that this team is better than them, shut them down. They've been talking all year. Fans have been talking all year. So it's been great to see them 2-0, and start out strong. Got Christian Javier going tomorrow, followed by Lance McCullers. It'd be fantabulous. I like to make up words sometimes. Fantabulous if they can, if they can complete a sweep and just get this over with quickly. But uh, it's three games in New York at, at at worst. You know, it's a two three two. It's a horrible horrible format. I think that's a. Luckily with Houston being two and zero coming out, it's not that big of a deal. But I'm not a big fan of the two two three two schedule. But you know, it's it's exciting. You know, and it, we saw some news come out today that Dusty Baker's most likely coming back next year and James click his future is uh, kind of uncertain. So we'll see where that goes and, and hopefully Houston can continue on with their continued work over the weekend. And uh, you know, so thanks for joining in tonight. You know, this is uh cap and trade episode 37. I'm trying, uh, trying to get three streams going. So if you're on Twitter spaces, welcome. I probably won't, not sure if I'll be able to take any, uh, any uh, folks jumping in from Twitter spaces, but certainly able to listen in. We may test it out if somebody wants to speak and see what happens. I'm not entirely sure what will happen, but we'll see what happens. We're also live on YouTube and we are live on Twitter. So, you know, if you got any comments, any questions, feel free to uh, post them up and I'll take a look at them and see if we need to answer them or anything like that. But, you know, really a lot of news this week, like talked about and the Astros coming up and, you know, we did our part on that. But, you know, the biggest news I think out of Houston was what came out Monday right off the bat was Jack Easterby being fired. And, you know, a lot of people have talked about it this week. And I've, I've had some certain thoughts. And, you know, is it a huge deal? I don't think it's as big. I think it's just a, a good thing for the fans, right? You know, you don't you typically don't want a, an organization to, to pander to the fan base. But I think it's exciting to to see them finally make that move and move on. He had already been frozen out. He was not involved at all. I mean, there was, there was times where he was pictured in the, in the draft room, but he was not involved in personnel. He had been, he'd been frozen out by Lovey, by Nick Casario, and he was just not involved at all in anything personnel related. He just had logistics some some uh, decision science, as they call it, the, the, the analytics groups, the sports science group. So, I think from from a, just an overall perspective, it was just good for the organization to make that move and move on. You know, he wasn't really contributing much at this point, so what's the point of keeping around? And if they're able to reshuffle his job duties and other other folks in the organization are able to absorb them and move on without tip, you know, without replacing him, then that's a good thing. I mean, that just shows you what how how little amount of work that he was doing if they're able to absorb his work. And, you know, I think there was a lot of fans that were irked by him. There was a lot of fans that were upset with the amount of power that he had absorbed over a very short span of time. You know, coming back from coming in with O'Brien, it was supposed to be a tandem pair. Then O'Brien gets fired. He, I, I'm not going to talk about the details or anything like that with other firings, but, you know, we saw a lot of turnover with Brian Gain, Chris Olsen, very bad contracts being handed out when, when Easterby was over the con, uh, managing in the contracts, he was managing the salary cap for a little while. And 
it was just a bad dark time for Houston and there was a lot of unease you know in the building when they were walking around him he was just kind of a a different individual and you know we wish him well hopefully you know wherever he lands he'll he'll do fine but it just can't be here and I think most fans will will accept that and be happy with it right you know I think that's just another step towards for this organization for Cal McNair for Nick Casario to just get rid of any outside noise that could be affecting how the fan base thinks about the team and we know it's not it's not going to be an overnight turnover for this fan base, but this is just another step in the right direction. And this is what the fan base wants to see. The next step from here is to continue to build up the roster and continue trying to win games and hopefully becoming not trying, but actually winning games. And so, you know, that's going to be a, a, a two to three year project to get back to being a team that's competing. But for the most part, you know, I didn't really want to dive in it too much. It's been covered pretty heavily this week with uh, with the radio and with media. But, I, I mean, I didn't really talk about Easter Bee that much, so it wasn't a big deal to me because I kind of understood his role and how it has been pushed back more so in the past eight, nine months versus what it was in 2020 before Casario got here and how he still was pretty involved in 2021, and then they just kind of finally – got him out of the way and so with that I, I knew it was I knew you know a lot of people knew it was coming I, I heard rumblings myself and you know it, it I don't know why this week versus any other time whether it was before the season started or after the season's over but you know it just was time it was probably an agreed upon time to go and uh you know whatever contract he had and whatever negotiations they had trying to work out the details to to have that mutual departing is done you know get that get that out of the organization move on i think the fan base will 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 uh respect that finally and this is just another step towards what this team is trying to do to get this fan base back on their side get the fan base back in the stadium they've you see cal out there with the fans they're in training camp you see totally different marketing uh, schemes going on and, you know, I, I saw, you know, I'm, I met the new media director at one event one night and he's a very, very sharp dude. And so I think it's exciting to see what the team's going to bring, not just product on the field, right, but just an overall product outside of the game, in the community, how they're entrenched with the fan base, how they're interacting with the fan base. So I think just getting rid of Easter Bee is, is another step in that direction and, uh, you know, we wish, you know, some people don't wish him well, but I wish him well and, and, and hope, hope for the best for him. And, you know, I'm sure he'll end up somewhere else, probably in the college ranks, maybe on the basketball side, go back to the East coast, things like that. But, you know, it's, it, it's just a good thing and, it, and it's time to move on. And now this team really doesn't have any more excuses, right? If you get rid of Easter V, that's your, your final, your final piece of having no other distractions no other third-party interactions outside you know just outside leaks i think you're going to see the media leaks decrease dramatically now because nick does not really talk to the media at all he doesn't leak anything um he is you know some things will get out to the to the national guys but it's it's going to be tough for the local guys and i i curious to see how they they proceed going forward but you know the the local guys are just gonna have to work harder and harder because jack was a major leaker and it'll be good it'll be interesting to see how that's handled as well so i think the team now has a forward path no distractions no excuses and you know we're going to see what happens from there and what what how things go on so i'm excited to see what how they go and uh like i said if you're on youtube you know, put in a comment. Make sure you subscribe to the channel. It's a new channel. Trying to trying to learn my way through this. And as always, you know, welcome to follow me on Twitter at, at TexansCap. And I, I do have a, a newsletter that I will publish from time to time. It's uh, capandtrade.substack.com. So make sure you get all involved in that as well. Just go straight to your straight to your email inbox. So it's a 
you know, I do a, a lot of different things with the newsletter. It's not really Texans heavy. It's more league wide, things like that. Uh, try to look at a lot of salary, salary related items, things like that. So it's a, it's another form I like to write sometimes, you know, so it's, it's something. So the Texans coming off the bye week, what do we expect from them going against Las Vegas? It's going to be a good matchup for them. Um, Las Vegas, I think they're, uh, they're, they're better than their record shows, right? You know, new coaching staff, new front office there. They're still trying to get through that roster. But their defense is not good. Um, their run defense is probably about as bad as Houston's. The pass, pass defense on Houston is obviously much better than, than uh, Las Vegas. So this will be a big chance for, for Davis Mills. This will be a big chance for Damian Pierce to continue on going with his heavy workload and putting up the numbers that he's putting up. But I'm curious to see how Davis Mills handles this defense because they give up a lot of number. They give up a lot of, a lot of numbers in the middle of the field in between the hash marks, right? That's typically where Davis Mills succeeds. He, he does well passing between the numbers in front of him and to his right, to his left. No bueno. He does not do well going to the left. So, this will be a chance where we might actually see the Davis Mills that we saw in 2021. You know, he's had two weeks now to prepare for this game. Um, I'm excited to see where he where he goes from here. You know, it's it's been a, a very disappointing start for him this year, especially with how he finished up the 2021 season. I think a lot of fans were, were hoping for that carryover into this season, and it's just not been there. It's been a very, like we've discussed on the show before, it's, at least in my opinion, it appears to be a mental thing for him. And, uh, you know, hopefully this two-week break or this this bi-week break will, will give him that chance to kind of get over that mental hump. You know, his footwork's getting poor, his mechanics are getting poor, his accuracy's been bad all year. So hopefully this week against Las Vegas will will give him – that uh you know that that confidence to get back going to where he was in 2021 so i think coupled with las vegas having a bad run defense who give pierce a chance to to have a good game give the offense a chance to control the time of possession this defense should be able to manage the las vegas offense it's going to be interesting we saw i think waller's out i think uh renfro's questionable at this point so it's really going to be you know, Devontae Adams and Derek Carr and Josh Jacobs. Josh Jacobs is having a very good year, contract year for him. He didn't get his fifth-year option picked up, so it's a big year for him. Houston's run defense, as we've seen, has been very poor this year. So I think the uh, the over-under between Pierce and, and Jacobs is probably going to be probably 275 yards combined between the two of them. So we might see a lot of, a lot of rushing yards this weekend. But it's really going to be – I'm curious to see if Stingley will follow – Adams around the field, or if he's going to kind of stay on his side of the field. Um, I was looking forward to, to Petrie versus Waller, but with Waller being out, we won't be able to see that. Um, if Renfro does end up playing, it'll be a good matchup for Desmond King, uh, who's having a, a career year for him now that he's back playing in the slot where he where he does his best work. He is not an outside uh, boundary guy. So excited to see uh, how that matchup goes if he ends up playing. And then one of the other key matchups, and I tweeted about this earlier, one of the other key matchups is going to be uh, Titus Howard versus Max Crosby. Max Crosby is a very, very successful pass rusher. Uh, Las Vegas has two very good defensive ends in Max Crosby and Chandler Jones. Chandler Jones is not the player that he has been in the past, but it's exciting to see Howard really get matched up with a top-tier pass rusher and see how he handles it curious to see if the team you know brings in some chips maybe brings a tight end over on that side to kind of chip it crosby to help out howard at least maybe early in the game until he gets himself settled down but this is a big moment for howard you know we we know he's got a fully guaranteed you know guaranteed salary next year but i've been kind of in the mind of he's a potential extension candidate next offseason um He's got a $3.2 million fully guaranteed salary next year, but that's his cap number as well. So hopefully you want to bring that number down if you end up doing an extension. So we haven't really seen him go against any uh, top-tier pass rushers as of yet, but going against Max Crosby is going to be a good challenge for him. 
Um, hoping to see some one-on-one work with him just to see how he manages going against Crosby. Uh, looking at Crosby's uh, snap counts and where he lines up, 90% of the 90% of the time he's lining up on the lefty inside, which is up, you know, going against a right tackle. So, you know, Chandler Jones is going to be on the other side going against Tunsil, who we know is uh, having another stellar year. He's going to he that'll be another fun matchup to see. But I think Tunsil should be able to manage that. They really don't have too much of an interior presence. So hopefully, you know, how uh, Kenyon Green and, and AJ can can kind of get back things going. Kenyon Green's gone a little backwards when it comes to pre- pass protection in the last couple last couple games, giving up a couple sacks, some pressures. So we know he's good on the run game, but he needs to kind of find his way back to the passing side. So that's, you know, that to me is some of the big key matchups this weekend is how those players manage those those specific matchups. Um, definitely excited to see. Um, definitely excited to see how Nico Collins continue goes on as well. Um, he's getting a little more heavily involved week by week. He's getting more confidence. The Peps get more confidence in him. Mills is getting more confidence in him. And I just hope that continues to ascend on. I, I, you know, you want to see Brandon Cooks do well. Uh, hopefully the play calling kind of sorts these things out, but really, really excited to see Nico Collins continue to flourish and do well. He's a big, big wide receiver, big target, big catch radius, as we saw in the last game with that jump jump catch. So it's exciting to see those matchups for me. I think this is this is a winnable game. I think I think almost every week, maybe not every single week, but for for almost most of the weeks, Houston's going to have a shotting chance and. This week, I think they're minus seven, or they're plus seven on their side. So, you know, you figure the the three, three-and-a-half-point home field advantage, so maybe it's a four-point four point dog for Houston. So hopefully, hopefully, uh, you know, they'll, they'll make this a game. You know, it's we, you know Davis Mills typically has struggled on the road versus playing at home. So, but he is playing in a stadium, in a dome, so – Maybe hopefully that'll help him out as well. But uh, this will be a big test for a lot of players. Um, there's a lot, of, like we does, like we discussed. There's a lot of individual matchups that'll be fun to watch, and we'll we'll see what happens from there. Um, another thing I wanted to touch on was looking at uh, any potential activations this week, right? So I don't think uh, uh, Ke- uh, Tegan Catoriano. I don't think he's going to be activated just yet. Uh, the team does have. Uh, plenty of tight end work right now. They signed Jordan Akins to the active roster, so they got him, Brevin Jordan, and uh, and uh, OJ Howard. They're gonna all be active. It looks like Bre- uh, Brevin Jordan's back, so it'll be good to see all three of those tight ends uh, get a little more heavy tight end sets. We haven't seen that in the past couple weeks because of that that specific position's been a little shorthanded. So it'll be good to see more of the twenty one personnel back out there that they they were running the first part of the season i think that's a big staple of pep hamilton's system and he just hasn't had that ability to run it the past couple of games so be good to see them back out there and uh but I, i'm curious to see if if christian harris gets activated tomorrow tomorrow's a deadline for for activating those players uh Tavier thomas hasn't been designated yet to return to practice so i'm not sure if he had a setback i was really anticipating him having uh coming back right on schedule at, at week five and, and that just hasn't been the case. And so it is, it is interesting. I'm not entirely sure what's going on there. We'll just have to wait and see what happens. Maybe he had a setback. Maybe this team's just, you know, taking the time, you know, Desmond King's been playing well. So it'd have been nice to have that depth at the cornerback position, but the roster jumbling would be very difficult. They would have to maybe move off Graylin Arlen, Graylin Arlen, Arnold, excuse me, Graylin Arnold out of the safety position if they brought back Thomas. So, you know, it's it's a lot, you know, it's a lot of jumbling and trying to figure it all out. But if Christian Harris does come back, that's that's exciting. And I don't know that he would get a substantial amount of snaps right off the bat, right? So I think um, if you if you see him on the field is, you know, probably going to be maybe in a few sub packages, um, special teams work, things like that. You know, we got to remember he only got in three or four practices at training camp before, before he had the hamstring injury, you know, pretty serious injury at this point. So, you know, he doesn't have a whole lot of NFL time, doesn't have a whole lot of time in, in Lovey, Lovey's system. Mental reps are good, but you know, until you're out there 
on the field, it's not the same thing. So don't expect, if he gets activated tomorrow, don't expect him out there on the field for 80-90% of the snaps. I think he's just going to be eased back in. He'll eventually take over probably Kamu's role. And then, um, you know, I kind of would like to see, I mean, if Kirksey comes off the field, I'm fine with that. I kind of would really like to see Garrett Wallow and Christian Harris, the back half of the season, become your primary duo linebackers. You want to see the young players out there, see what you have in them. You know what you know what you have in Kirksey, and he's under contract for next year. Not a guaranteed contract next year, but um, he's under there. Comedy is a one-year deal, so you know there's he's probably going to be gone after this year. So at this point, there's really no need for those guys to be on the field. They just need to become very good depth and very in in kind of a veteran leadership type role. So you want to see Wallow and Harris. Not going to see it this weekend, but in the coming weeks, in the back half of the season, see those two become your two primary linebackers when they're in the in their sum packages, when they're in their nickel package, when Desmond King's on, on the field, and when they're in their base. You hopefully it'll end up being a Blake Cashman, um, Christian Harris. Garrett Wallow joint back there. Um, Cashman coming off the concussion but is, is having a very good season. And then Jake Hansen would kind of be your, your linebacker four who's him and Cashman both have been fantastic on special teams. This is a, this is a top five special team unit. So that's kind of what I would, I'm hoping to see if Harris ends up being activated. I haven't seen any reports at all. If that's going to happen, It'll be exciting to see if he doesn't make it out, but I mean, that if he does make it up, if he doesn't, you know, just wait another week. The team had 21 days, so they they have another week to to wait to make that decision. And uh, but you know they're they're going to take their time with it. You know he's a he's a a rookie at the end of the day. We it's not like you need the world to he he needs to be a world beater right off the bat. So that part's exciting. And then um, you know a couple of the notes we saw. Kendall Shelfield was released off IR. I've been I've been kind of eyeballing that all year. Um, that freed up a lot of cap space. Really put the team back in a more comfortable position from a cap space standpoint. There, I tweeted out the number this morning, but I think they're around two point four million in cap space for the rest of the year. Um, they are going to start having that number come down week by week as they start getting into the to the non like not likely to be earned portion of roster bonuses, the per gamers. Um, AJ Can's already starting that number, so each week his cap number is going to go up by twenty nine thousand. And uh, as they get into like week thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, you're going to start to see the number come down. It's going to be tight towards the end of the year. I'm not entirely sure, barring they don't have any injuries. I'm not entirely sure that they're going to have to do any more restructures. Um, they'll continue to do with their elevations, but if they have a bad injury and they have to replace. A player with with a new player you know that replacement cost is not as bad now that we're halfway you know almost halfway through the season but um or not halfway through the season we're a little over a third of the way but it's the replacement cost is not what it was four or five weeks ago so i think you're just going to kind of see the team manage it the best they can and it's going to be a small number at the end of the year it's, it's not you know it's 2.5 2.4 right now it's probably ain't going to be under a million when it comes to the end of the year. And that's probably going to be their carryover number is going to be, you know, four or five, six hundred thousand dollars. Hopefully they don't have to do any more, any more restructures like they had to do in the beginning. There are a few more candidates, but as the season goes on, um, it's not, you don't get as much return off of those because each season goes on. When you, you adjust those base salaries, the number, you're only cap capturing the restructure of the remaining weeks of the season, right? So, you know, that that availability of, of restructure number gets lower as the season goes on. So they're just going to manage it week by week. And um, when Casario was talking, I think when he did his media appearance um, a couple of weeks ago, it was right after, right after uh, the last game. He said he was very comfortable with where they were on the cap space. And that was before Kendall Sheffield. Kendall Sheffield was, was actually released that day. And when that gave me, that's the reason why he felt comfortable with the numbers. So, um, curious to see how they manage it the rest of the way forward. There's no, no extensions to be done at this point with the way the cap space sitting. Uh, there's no trades coming in that I, you know, that I could see happening. Um, maybe they move a player out 
but I mean, there's really not many veterans on this roster that are worth much of a trade value to, you know, what's the point of moving somebody for a, you know, for a seventh round pick, you know, I saw some names like Jerry Hughes. You don't want to move Jerry Hughes for, for a seventh rounder. I mean, right. You maybe a, you might get a six for him. The team already has what, three or four, six rounders next year. So I'd rather just keep Jerry Hughes here. He's under contract next year as well. And, and use that veteran leadership on the edge. He's, he started out strong. He's kind of, kind of fallen off a little bit. Hopefully uh, he's going to have to work hard this weekend because Grenard's not going to be, he's, he's out for the weekend, but um, I, I just don't see really any players being traded out. You know, it may be a veteran here, but I, I wouldn't expect anything. I think the team's just content with what they have and uh, try to manage their way through this season. The cap space next year looks much, much more presentable, much more favorable for, uh, for the team. So um, as for that, you know, it's really about all the points that I had for the team specific, but, you know, league-wide jumping out, you know, seeing Carolina, the fire cell is, is hot and heavy over there. Scott Fitter, the GM, you know, I, I like the work that he does. He came out of Seattle from, from John Snyder, who, uh, you know, kind of has that Ron Wolf. He can't, John Snyder came out of the Ron Wolf tree. So uh, Scott Fitter has some of that mentality in him. And, um, you know, we saw he traded – Robbie Anderson to Arizona, and I don't know what Arizona's doing. Um, Steve Keim is he's he's making moves like he's trying to save his job. That's just the only way I can put it. I feel like him and uh, Kingsbury their their seats are getting a little hot. Um, they did win this past uh, Thursday night against the Saints, but I don't know what they're doing. Not I, I mean I know they lost Marquise Brown for four to six weeks. But just making those trades left and right like that, it's just it's kind of more of a desperation move in my from my eyes. So, but uh, they had DeAndre Hopkins come back from suspension, and then they brought in Robbie Anderson to uh, take over for Marquise Brown, who was having a pretty strong season. So, um, I, I think that's really all Carolina could get out of that. You know, he was a he he was a player that wasn't happy. Uh, his contract wasn't too amenable they probably could have gotten more draft compensation for him if they would have uh been able to no they couldn't do anything with the contract because they had already uh, restructured that one so they were kind of stuck as is and it was a low uh base salary so yeah that's just what they got i mean that's really about all they could get for him and you know luckily they were able to move out from underneath and get a little bit of back but the big trade that we saw was uh christian mccaffrey last night I don't get it, San Francisco. I don't get it. I do not. I mean, this team has invested draft stock over draft stock over draft stock for three years now, two years now, at the running back position. I mean, multiple day th- day two picks dating back to 2019 or 2020 when uh, John Lynch joined, joined in over there. And, I mean, some of the players like Trey Sermon are not even there. And then just to give up – all you know, your your two, your three, and your four, and the next draft, and then a future pick. They still have their compensation compensatory picks from uh, from their uh, minority coaches that that hired on in front office that that hired on in other organizations. But I mean, I know everybody thinks that you know that's a great fit for Shaney system. I mean, it's exciting to see it happen from a fan standpoint, but from an organizational point, I just don't get it for San Francisco. I don't understand having that much asset dumped into one position. And I'm not just talking about McCaffrey. I'm talking about over two years. And, you know, that contract is not that favorable for the next two or three years. And, you know, I'm just not sure what John Lynch is doing, and I'm not entirely sure who's running the show over there, if it's really a collaboration, if it's more so Lynch, or if it's more so Kyle Shanahan. And the drafting over there has not been very well done, and now this free, you know, this kind of move, just like I said with Steve Kime, it kind of feels like a, a desperation move. And I know both Shanahan and, and Lynch were extended, extended recently, and – I don't know. We'll we'll see what happens. Maybe it turns out. I 
I just don't think he's going to be able to put up the same kind of numbers that he was when he was healthy in Carolina, just the way Shanahan uses uses the players. But uh, you know Shanahan, being a fantastic offensive mind that he is, is going to find a way to make McCaffrey work. And, you know, that, that team is, has a very good chance to make a deep run in the playoffs, even with Jimmy Garoppolo at quarterback. So I, I just didn't understand it, but I was very surprised that Carolina was able to get that kind of uh, return in value. You know, the, they leaked it out early that they wanted through, uh, I think it was what, through Peter, Peter Straggs for at NFL Network, that it was going to take multiple ones. That was insane. Nobody was giving up multiple ones for Christian McCaffrey. But to give up, you know, four draft picks, three, you know, two of them being day two picks, which are uh, going to be late. But at the end of the day, Carolina did very well in that trade, getting on their side. I don't understand for San Francisco, but getting that kind of trade value back is what Carolina needs because they had already given away future future twos for uh, for the Sam Darnold move. They have given away future three for the Matt Corral trade during the draft last year with New England. And so they just have to rebuild. They don't they don't have a whole lot of draft stock even after this trade. This kind of backfills their uh, draft stock container for them, but it's a good move by, by by Scott Fitter by all by all accounts and I think that's the the common theme among most of the folks that I read that that was a good move for for them. So, you know, another thing that um it's interesting to see what happens is is Carson Wentz in Washington. He uh, looks like he might be out four to six weeks, and that's going to affect the dra- the draft compensation for Indianapolis. You know, the draft compensation moves from a second to a third, or I mean, I'm sorry, a third to a second round if it's based on uh, snaps. That I think he had to play like seventy or seventy five percent, seventy seventy percent if they made the playoffs, seventy five if they didn't make the playoffs. And um, if he's going to miss four to six weeks, then there's very real chance that he may not hit that number, right? So that's going to kind of kind of tank some of the draft stock for for Indianapolis. And then uh, you know, just we saw what happened at the uh, and one last thing would be the uh, the owners' meetings. That was a fireworks show. It started out at the beginning of that of this week when they when the owners were there. It was going to be a very quiet owners meeting not a whole lot going on not a lot of report they weren't going to talk about roughing the passer um it was just it was slated to be a very quiet one and then jim mercy comes out and i I was listening to mike sando and randy mueller on uh, the athletic on the gm athletic podcast and i really agree with randy mueller and he's still a plugged in guy um, he was a he's a GM at in Minnesota for a long time, and he still got a lot of friends in the league. So his his thoughts was kind of what I was thinking was is they needed somebody to say the quiet part out loud about Dan Snyder, and who else to do it? Jim Mercy. I mean, the guy is wears his emotions on his sleeve. He has a very public background. He's had his issues, and who else? can go out there and say yeah investigate me bring all your pi dirty work on me i don't care as he said you can investigate me till the cows come home and you know that's stemming from dan snyder's uh, leak that he's got dirt on almost all the owners so um i think that was fantastic i think that was step one of attempting to get dan snyder out out as an owner um it's going to take some time but I think that that was the beginning of the process. I think that was the league's way and the owners, the other owners' way of saying, "Yeah, we really don't believe that you got that much dirt on us, and if you do, we're we're happy to fight and we're happy to go at it." So it only takes twenty-four owners to vote him out. Maybe they do. Maybe they just go a, a route with Sarver, like you know, with what Sarver did in the NBA, where they just force him to sell. I don't see Snyder caving in like that. I think. Um, I think that the league would literally have to vote him out to get him out as owner. So I'm, I'm fascinated. I know a lot of people don't find that as fascinating as I do, um, but I'm really curious to see how the politics play out on that. Um, if if Washington were, if Snyder were to sell that team, it, it would eclipse 
the the Broncos sell pretty dramatically. I mean, we saw the Broncos sell for almost five five billion. I think Washington would would clips that number. So that's the other financial. That's the other incentive for the owners to to get rid of Snyder. Not only do you have the poli- the the public image of Snyder and what's going on with him or what's been going on with that organization for years now. But to get another team that sells for in excess of five billion is just beautiful thing for the owners. So, you know, I think they, especially with the way Washington is fumbling the new stadium deal over there, it's just been bad on multiple fronts. So I'm curious to see how it goes. You know, we saw, and then we saw Jerry Jones and Robert Kraft having a little bit of words, um, I don't know what to make of that. I mean, I know Jerry Jones is trying to bring down or trying to avoid giving uh, Roger Goodell another raise. I think they're uh, revisiting his contract as a commissioner. And uh, Robert Kraft is very favorable of Roger Goodell. You know, he's, I think he's probably one of the more friendly owners with Roger Goodell. Jerry Jones, not so much. And, uh, you know, I think Jerry Jones is trying to, uh, trying to fight giving uh, Goodell a race. He's already making $40 million a year. So for the most part, we'll see what happens with there. And then uh, the last part, which uh, wasn't too much of a surprise, is Tennessee. Looks like they're getting a stadium. Good on them. Not only are they getting a stadium, they're getting a dome. They want to host Super Bowls. So good for them. Got a ton of funding from uh from the public i think upwards of 1.2 billion in in funding from the public side of it and they're only having a dump i think they're only having a best about 940 million only 940 million but um you know so it's exciting for them that puts another 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 stadium another team in the uh potential rotation for for hosting the super bowl um i'm a big proponent of having everything covered up I know uh, if Landry would hear, especially with uh, with the Yankees game getting uh, rain delayed uh, in the last series with Cleveland, um, he would agree with me that um, at least maybe he wouldn't agree with me on the football side. But I think um, for the most part, I, I'm I think most I think you should just go with domes. It's it's more money. I think there's probably some old school player you know fans that want the games to be played outside, but you know. I'm I'm all for Tennessee getting their dome, so good for them. Um, Chuck tweeting in. So, yeah, if you got any questions, there's multiple ways to get to me here. Um, you can comment on YouTube. Um, you can post uh, post a tweet in the thread on, uh, on Twitter spaces. Looks like it's working well. So Chuck says, I don't care. It's his team selling and forcing him out as a reward. It's his team. Too much power to public perception and NFL hierarchy. I'm assuming that's well. It's 52 seconds ago, so I'm assuming that's about the uh, Dan Snyder stuff. So, um, yeah, forcing it out is a reward. I think that is a reward for for the other owners and and for the league in general. I think they just don't want that perception anymore. So, um, you know, for the most part, it's going to take some time for them to do that. You know, it's not not overnight. And that's why I said I think Jim Irsay coming out saying what he said, being very adamant about what he said is step one of a very long process to get rid of Dan Snyder. Um, with that, a little bit shorter, a little bit shorter episode tonight. Um, if you got any more questions, don't hesitate to uh, send them my way. So, O four Rip Hamilton says, "Do we see Tyler Johnson more after the buy?" Hmm. So Chris Moore returned to practice this week. Um, he was coming off the hip injury. I don't know that you're going to see much of Tyler Johnson. You might see a 50-50 split between him and um, and Chris Moore at the slot position. Just depends on how healthy Chris Moore is. But I also think with Brevin Jordan being back healthy, uh, Jordan Akins on the active roster now, and O.J. Howard, I think you're going to see a lot of 21 personnel which is not going to allow for the slot wide receiver to be on the field. So I think just by by account all that, the slot wide receiver snap count is going to drop. Um, I just, you know, I don't, I really don't have much of an expectation for Tyler Johnson this year. Um, 
maybe maybe next year see how he handles the rest of the season maybe he gets a little in the field a little more towards the end of the season but i mean he's a fifth round draft pick at the end of the day um I, I just you know until he's set until he proves otherwise i wouldn't have a whole lot of expectations for him um but you know i just don't think you're going to see a lot of snaps out of him either this week or in the next few weeks We'll see what happens, but I think, like I said, 21 personnel, not very much for Tyler Johnson to be out there. Maybe he'll probably see like four or five, six snaps, depending on Chris Moore. But uh, I think it's going to be a a Nico Collins, uh, Brandon Cooks joint with two tight ends, and Troy Hairston out there blocking out there for uh, Pierce. So if you got any more questions, sit them in. If not, we'll give it a couple more minutes. No no comments on the YouTube live side, but – um, I know this is an unusual time for, for the show. I'm not used to doing them on a Friday night, but, you know, cheers. A little alcohol tonight. usually don't partake during the show, but since it's Friday night, why not? But it looks like a good crowd. I see the usual, uh, a lot of the usual faces on Twitter spaces, and and uh, I'm excited that, uh, that everything seems to be working. Uh, I'm very impressed that, that Twitter allowed me to go with Twitter Live, with Twitter Spaces at the same time, and over on YouTube Live on the new Cap and Trade YouTube channel. Um, still kind of figuring my way of of how of how to make that channel effective. Um, I'm just not entirely sure what's you know what the long term ramifications are for Twitter. We'll see what happens. I'm not not saying anything crazy or any theories, but. Um, just not entirely sure what the long-term future is and so you know i have a little bit of a community over on on substack if you if you don't subscribe there make sure you subscribe to the cap and trade.substack.com it's the newsletter that that i email out occasionally and uh you know just make sure you subscribe to the youtube channel uh i'm gonna try to find my way through there and and uh try to make it the best that we can make it and uh for the you know and we'll continue on twitter like we always do uh, i Love the Twitter family. It's still still a fantastic uh, community. Love all the interactions that I get over there. I try to interact back as best as I can. Um, I'm not much of a a post and post and go kind of guy. I like kinda, I love chopping it up with everybody. So, um, so I think with that, I think we can probably about call it a night. You know, hopefully uh, Landry's not having too much fun in Vegas. Uh, I'm sure he's probably at a sports book. Oh, it's eight fifteen there. So him and uh him and Stutes I think are over there. I know Stutes was there for ESPN Radio was doing their work out of uh out of Vegas. I know Polly Gallant was out there as well. So I'm sure all those knuckleheads are having fun. So wish them well and uh you know enjoy the weekend. Go Astros, go Texans, and uh with that I think we'll go ahead and ah and see. Look at there, right when I almost said it, got another couple more comments. So we're not. I'm not ready to go away. Based on numbers, how would you rate the Casario? How how would you rate the job Casario is doing salary wise? That's from G Rob. So I've I've had a couple of a uh, couple of questions on some of the moves they've made. Um. It, the part that I'm having trouble grasping is the outlook that Casario has. I I studied Rick Smith and Chris Olson for a number of years and had plenty of years to to watch them, and they were very much a two and three year outlook kind of uh, forward facing organization front office. Casario is not that. He is this year. We'll look a little bit of next year, and that's it. We're not looking out three years because the roster is going to change dramatically. And you see that with, with the contracts that he, that he's been given out. I just don't know how heavily he involved. He was on the, the lower contracts this year. I know, um, Andrew, who is the, uh, I'm trying to think of his title. He does a lot of the salary cap stuff for Casario football ops coordinator maybe I'm, I'm sorry if i butchered his title but i know he negotiated the rookie contracts and i know he or i was so as told and then 
I heard that he negotiated some of the lower level veteran contracts. So this year has been a little bit of questionable for me, but that's just like technicality and small things that, that are probably not very interesting to the to majority of the fan base. Overall, I think he's done well to get out of the hole that, that he was dealt. I think he probably could have d- managed 2020 or 2021 a little bit better, but I'm not entirely sure what he knew of the Watson situation when he got here. Right. So I don't, the way he built the roster in 2021, it made me feel like he thought he was going to have a chance of winning more games this year. I don't understand bringing back certain players. I don't understand bringing back Kamu. I don't understand bringing back Justin Britt. I don't understand bringing, bringing back Kirsten Kirksey. Um, I would have tried to go on younger in some of those spots, but if I were to go like at a 30,000-foot level, I, I'm overall I'm happy with what Kasseri has done. I think he's done a good job managing the cap and getting the team in a good spot going forward. So I know there's another question from, uh, from Tony after this about the cap space for next year. Um, we'll kind of jumble the we'll, – we'll kind of combine those two questions. So he'll have – like we said, we'll have to kind of – the team's going to have to manage their way through the back half of the season on the salary cap. As long as they don't have any major injuries, I think they're going to be fine. They're at like 2.4 million. They may have to do another restructure or two. They have another couple, couple available options there. Um, but for the most part, most part, I think he's done fine. You know, I think Casario is a straight up football guy. He's upstairs. Um, with the coaches during the game. He's not sitting in the luxury box with the owner. He doesn't care about media perception. He is very good at separating the person, the personnel side, not personnel, but the personal side of the player from the football side of the player. He can segregate those two things very well. And I have confidence. We'll put it this way. I have confidence that Casario will continue to build upon what we've seen out of the 2021 draft and the 2022 draft. Um, he's obviously got plenty of compensation and asset value, not only this coming year, but the year after that with Cleveland's picks the next two years. And I think he is very, very smart and can manage his way through the draft, moving up and down. The cur- the thing I'm curious to see about for next year, and I wrote about this in the newsletter. If you subscribe to it, you, you probably would have read it. This year, the, the one... The one thing I don't like about this year with what Casario's done is the middle class of the roster has has gotten too big. That's really hampered his maneuverability for uh, maneuverability within the roster within the salary cap. If you read the middle class newsletter, you'll you'll kind of understand what I'm talking about. And he has a the second biggest middle class if we do a. a if a player is anywhere from one to 3% of the salary cap on an individual basis, his is the second biggest middle class in the league. And so I think all of that makes things difficult for him to maneuver. And I just disagree with how big that middle class is this year. Um, I think you're going to see that middle class go down in size in 2023. I think, Next year, the team right now is at like $43 million in cap space. That number is going to come down, so prepare yourself. Um, what you see today is not what it's going to be when they when March comes around. They're probably going to probably be around 35 $36 million in cap space when it comes comes March time before they make any player releases or any adjustment to the – to the roster prior to free agency. So they could be over 40 million heading into the free agency if they, if they release a player or two. So that'll answer uh, Tony's question, but to get back to uh, G Rob and, and Casario, I think if Casario can kind of shrink and contract that middle class, have a younger um, bottom, bottom end of the roster, you know, give you that maneuverability and then, you might see him bring in a strong free agent or two next year. Not you're, you'll you'll see a, a high number of signings again. Not like we've seen the last two years. 
because he still has a roster to fill out. There's only like 38 players, 39 players under contract next year. So I think you're going to see that middle class shrink, the bottom and the bottom and the lower the lower group increase, and then you're going to see a little more top heavy. The areas that he's going to have to address with current players for next year is Laramie Tunsil and Titus Howard. Um, Tunsil has a $35 million cap charge next year. Can you work with that? Sure. Do you want to? Absolutely not. You want to find a way to make sure that that number comes down, right? You don't, you don't need any player besides your quarterback taking up that much of your cap space. Two weeks ago, up to two weeks ago and before, I was in the trade tunsil, trade tunsil uh, camp. I, I have since flipped and come seen the light and come over, and I think uh, I'm now in the extend tunsil next year. Next year was going to be a trade or extend situation with tunsil. It was going to be nothing in between. He he did tunsil did very well managing that situation and getting that cap number that high, which makes him unfranchise and uh, it makes it prohibitive <laughs> prohibitive to make him a franchise tag candidate in 2023 because that number would just be massive It'd be upwards of 50 million it's 120 percent of the 35 million so i think the team is going to look very hard at doing an extension for tunsil just know that tunsil is going to he's going to want to reset the market that's going to mean an, an APY of $24 million and change. Probably, he'll probably come in at $29, $28 million asking price on his side. The team will try to get him down to $24, $24.5, no more than $25. Um, just so you know, just for the record, whenever um, Tunsil did his extension with, with Houston, his initial, that's at uh, $22 million APY. He negotiated with Bill O'Brien and, and Jack Easterby. Tunsil came in at twenty-eight million APY, and then they end up settling on twenty-two. So Tunsil's going to end up coming in that high again, and they'll find a way to get it down around twenty-four. Right now, I think twenty-three eight, twenty-three seven is is top of the league with Trent Williams. So Tunsil will want to reset the market. I've been working on a contract extension for. Um, draft and i've got some numbers already prepared um you know unfortunately tunsil doesn't have an agent he has a consultant that does a lot of the contract work for him but not a specific agent so i'm i'm going to try to get that my projection over that way to that consultant just to kind of get a gauge on where things are at but it sounds like sounds like tunsil's camp is on board with looking at an extension next offseason. We'll see what happens. And then the other half of that is Titus Howard. He's uh he's um <laughs> Charles found me on YouTube. Chuck. All right. So I no way on Tunsil. We got Titus two, which which of the above average tackles do we keep? And the dog's coming over and you hear her clicking. Um I think you keep both. That's, that's kind of where I'm headed with this. I think you get the tonsil extension done, and then you either decide, do we want to keep Howard at $13.2 million cap charge, or do we extend him as well? That decision solely is going to depend on how Howard continues on and progresses the rest of this year. And that's what I was talking about, the matchup with, with, um, with Max Crosby. I think that's going to be another example of what we need to see out of Titus Howard to make to decide if he is worth an extension and what that number would be he could if he continues to play well he could be getting an extension upwards of of 19 million a year so does the team that's going to be the big question is does the team does Casario want to invest that much money in two tackles you got to remember, AJ Can's under contract for next year at a very reasonable number. You got Kenyon Green under contract for the next three years plus a fifth plus a fifth year option. 
the center position hopefully will be addressed during the draft because there are no free agent centers next year that are worth it. So hopefully they can draft a center. So giving those parameters and that you're going to most likely have a rookie con rookie quarterback under contract again, you know, assuming they draft one in the first round, if that happens, then I think now is the time to extend both players, get both Howard and Tunsil under contract and create that. That would be a very strong foundation for, for any quarterback for next year and the, in the years before having three, four players under contract through 2023 and having three players on your offensive line under contract probably through 2025. Right. I think that just creates a, a, a fantastic foundation for any kind of rookie quarterback that comes in. Um, I'm a big build in the trenches kind of guy. So the team obviously needs to continue on working for looking for uh, defensive tackles. But I think if you can build that foundation, that, that offensive line, then I think that's going to be great for the team. Great for Damian Pierce, great for any quarterback that comes in next year. And, uh, so that's my, that's my take on it. And I know I kind of got a little long winded there, but, uh, that's, this is my area of, of, uh, of enjoyment. So, um, to try to go back to G Rob's question overall, Casario's job, I think he's done well. I think he's, I wouldn't say fantastic. I wouldn't, I'm not, not just overly like super excited over the top with the work that he's put in, but I think for the most part, he's done well. And he had a very, very difficult situation coming in, not only managing the Watson situation, managing the horrific contract and cap situation that was left behind from Easterby and, and Bill O'Brien. So I think he's, this is, we, it was a two year rebuild from a, from a salary cap standpoint, regardless. And this is year two. So the team leads the league in dead money. That's to be expected. I think, Next year is when you see the spending get readjusted from a bunch of middle class, like I was talking about, you know, shrinking that middle class down and having one or two targeted mid to high level free agents. I don't know that you'll see any like top of the market free agent signings, but I think um, I think you, you you might see an exciting a free agent or two next off season. So over on YouTube, so we got a few more questions. So you see us trading cooks. I do not. Um, I don't see a reason to at this point. Um, I think you you need cooks to 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 continue on with the foundation of this roster. I think Collins and Cooks are both very good players to have. And would be beneficial. Same thing with the offensive line. I think that's a good beneficial duo for for the for any potential rookie quarterback coming in. I would like to see the team try to get another explosive wide receiver, maybe in the second or third round next year, to uh, backfill Cooks, and that way you don't have to depend on that that player starting. And then remember, we got John Mechie hopefully coming back next year be your primary slot guy. So, um, no, I, I'm not trading cooks and, uh, no problem. Andreas, I know if you got here late, no problem. Um, I'm, you know, I got, I got plenty of liquid here to keep going. So, we're at 59 minutes. So doing well, check, uh, see now I've got to manage like all these different things. Unfortunately, the comments from, Twitter spaces don't hit the stream yard comment section, but so Chuck says you have to keep those linebackers. Wasn't Kamu a pro bowl alternate LOL. We have to keep those linebackers. Hmm. Well, we talked about that earlier and I think, I think I, I, I'm pretty content with just trying to get Harris and wallow be your, your two primary linebackers for the back half of the season and then have Cashman as your uh, your base guy, and then he would come off the field when you go into the sub packages. They generally they haven't been running any big uh, dime packages this year. They've been 
they've been running a cover two primarily primarily this year with some cover three and then literally it's just been three linebackers and then if linebacker which was kevin pierre lewis to start then was blake cashman until he got the concussion then they had to dip into the to the reeves maven bin which that is that's probably the worst contract that casario has done and that is a he's got guaranteed money next year and that's just a really really bad contract so if we were to be disappointed in Casario, it'd be on 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 Reeves Maven. But hopefully, the back half of the season, like I said, you, your Kirk, Kirksey will become depth, Camo will become depth, and then you look at next season and reassess Camo. Let walk. Kirksey's under contract for next year. Maybe you can keep him around his depth. That would be a, a a nice a nice luxury to have. And uh, but it just all kind of depends on how Harris does, and and if uh, Wallow continues to progress, and if Cashman, who's a free agent next year, can continue to progress and stay healthy, and and I think that's worth a, a somebody worth re-signing. So, um, that would be my take on the on the linebackers. Let's see here if we got any other questions. I don't see much else coming in. Let me check one other place because I got to check all these places now. But I'm excited that everything worked between uh, between Twitter and uh, Twitter Live, Twitter Spaces, and YouTube Live. So this is exciting. I got cables all over the place. Um, no, I think uh, I think we can probably call that a night. Uh, right at an hour and one minute. Everybody send messages to uh, to Landry and Twitter and tell. Uh, Mess with him for skipping out on me, which is no problem. Happy to go by myself. Had a good time tonight. I appreciate everybody joining in. Uh, we'll get the uh, we'll get the the podcast version dumped off of this and um, get that posted probably, hopefully tomorrow night. We'll see how the weekend goes. Got a lot going on tomorrow. Um, but like I talked about in the beginning, you know, let's watch the see what happens with the Raiders game. See if Mills is able to exploit the middle of the field and um, you know, take advantage of that situation. See how Howard does against Max Crosby. See if Damian Pierce can keep it, keep it going. See if Nico Collins can get continue to get involved in the game and uh, see if Stingley ends up shadowing uh, Devonte Adams or not. I'm kind of curious to see what happens there. Um, I'm, I really don't have a concern if Steven Nelson ends up covering uh, Devonte Adams a little bit. Devonte Adams is very good. I mean, he's just going to, he's going to beat a lot of cornerbacks, but uh, it would be fun to see Stingley kind of go up against him and, and see what happens. So, but overall um, we'll see what happens. And uh, with that, I think we'll go ahead and shut it down. I know I've said that like 10 times, but uh, I think we'll go ahead and close it down. So everybody have a good night and we will talk soon. We'll hopefully get back on uh, the Wednesday rotation next Wednesday. And it uh, depends on the playoffs. Um, I really don't like having the show when the Astros are playing. Um, I know a lot of fan, you know, a lot of folks that follow me probably follow the Astros and would rather just watch the Astros. So I don't want to take away from that. And um, you know, I, I told uh, Lopez on Twitter that I, I had a weird playoff ritual, and I, I just. I'll watch the Astros during the regular season when I can. I don't have um, cable, so I, I don't I can't watch them on AT and T Sportsnet when they're on there. I just don't watch them during the playoffs. I don't know why. It was like it's dating back to when they won the World Series in 2017. I didn't watch the World Series up until like the last three outs, and it's it's feel like it's my duty at this point just to not watch. <laughs> I know it's silly. I know it's crazy to think that you could a single person could jinx a team, but hey. I, I got to keep doing this. Obviously it's working for the team. So um, I, you know, luckily I follow enough people on Twitter to get all the highlights and, and know what's going on. So, um, you know, I'll probably uh, be quietly watching the, the timeline this weekend when uh, Javier's out there, hopefully they can replicate the last time what they did against the Yankees last time when Javier started, when they went to combine no hitters. So, um, you know, it's exciting. Everybody have a good weekend and, uh, Enjoy the games. Enjoy the Astros. Go Astros. Enjoy the Texans. Go Texans. And uh, 
with that, we'll go ahead and shut it down. And I'm, I promise you, I'm really going to end it this time. So we'll get the, the podcast up. Make sure you subscribe to the cap and trade YouTube channel. Uh, follow me on Twitter at, I forgot my ticker. See, look at there. There you go. Make sure you follow me at Texans cap on Twitter and, uh, got the newsletter cap and trade dot dot so everybody have a good evening and we will chat soon peace <laughs>